Well, it makes me glad I have teenagers and I'm not in that season anymore. I love it for them. Awesome. So glad that you are here today. Um, Today's topic is really, though we planned it months ago, is really appropriate for the season that a lot of us feel like we're in right now. Because over the next few minutes, we're going to be talking about this issue of fear. And obviously, as you've watched events unfold across our world and even stuff that just happens locally, sometimes you can watch the first 20 minutes of the Today Show and all you do is feel fear and fearful of what is happening. Fear will paralyze you if you let it. Fear will sing your dreams, all the dreams that you have, it will sing your dreams to sleep. If you let it, fear will shout over the top of all the amazing things that God wants to say in your life if you'll let it. Fear, I believe, has one song, one song that it will sing over and over again in your heart if you will let it. I want to show you that one song. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there were these things called records, vinyls. Right? They're kind of making a comeback. You can actually pick up this Sean Cassidy album for $1.99 at Goodwill. All right? Not this particular one because I'm about to ruin it. But what's great about this is not only do we have Sean's album, but how did you know? Look at that. A signed Sean Cassidy poster. Darla, it's yours. All right? Here's the thing. Records are awesome. And fear... Fear, on records it was great because you had the tracks and you would lift the needle. So I want to write on here exactly this one track that just a lot of you, you're hearing it in your head. It's playing over and over again. Maybe the last few weeks you've heard it more than you've ever heard it in the past. And so fear's greatest hit is this. What if? What if? What if that thing happens to me? What if this week I lose my job? What if it turns out the wrong way? What if I get sick? What if I never find someone to love me? What if I lose everything? What if this relationship goes wrong? What if, what, what if I try to do that and they laugh at me? And you know it plays over and over again. Now, all the old people in the room, We realize that the digital age has kind of corrected this issue, but you remember when you used to just wait for that album to come out, you know, and you'd go to the store and you'd buy it and you'd take it home and then it would have a scratch in it. And when one of these things would get scratched, there was no fixing it. It would just repeat over and over and over again. And you paid good money and the thing didn't even play the song that you wanted. It would just play that same thing on repeat. Now life has the tendency to scratch our souls, and to scratch our spirits in a big way. And we get to the point where what if is what we hear in our hearts and in our heads over and over again. And even though God has so many, he has so many awesome things, trust me, so many awesome things that he wants to say to you and so many incredible things he wants to do in our lives, sometimes all we can do is just keep hearing that playing over and over again. What if, what if, I don't even like that song. That song's depressing. That song is discouraging. Now, remember, we're talking about what if, all right? 
We're not talking about wisdom. So it's not what if I put my foot underneath the lawnmower. Okay, that's not what if. That's being weird, being an idiot, all right? If you do that, your foot's going to get chopped off. None of us are going to feel sorry for you if God doesn't show up in that situation, all right? Let's just be clear. We're not talking wisdom. We're not talking do you have a brain or not. We're talking what if. Someone once said it this way. Fear takes over when I give more weight to my what ifs than to what God says or who he is. And I think that's a pretty accurate way to describe how fear operates, what it does and what it is. And today, we're in the, we have one more week of this red letter series. We've been in the middle of it. And I want us to look at this issue of fear especially in concerning the times that we're in and what Jesus says about our what-ifs and what we can do about them. Because the reality is, for most of us, this track will continue to play at some level in our hearts and lives throughout our lives. And in this series, Red Letters, it's kind of cool because we've been stepping back a little bit in time and asking the question, what would it have been like to be a Jesus follower just like those early followers before they had the New Testaments and all they had were just the words of Jesus that were beginning to be written down and were beginning to be related by those who were around and what would that be like and what would, how would we live our lives? And what would we do with these teachings? And so today, I want to direct your attention to Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to be jumping around Matthew here over the next few moments. But Matthew chapter 10, if you have a Bible, open it there. If you have a smartphone, get off Twitter and go to version. And Matthew chapter 10 is where we're going to be. And as, as you find it... What's happening here contextually is Jesus gets all of his followers together and he says to them, look guys, we've been together for a while and I have a new plan. Here's the plan, guys. They're like, new plan. Awesome, Jesus. Give us the plan. He says, listen, here's the deal. We're going to split you up into groups of two and I'm going to send you out to do a bunch of stuff. And then he says this, and I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You might have heard that phrase, like sheep among wolves. Jesus says, listen, you're the sheep, the world is the wolves. You're like, cool, we think. He says, I'm sending you out, and you're going to do some really cool stuff, but here's the deal. Eventually, you're going to be, a lot of you are going to be arrested, and some of you are going to be beaten up, and some of you are going to have to sacrifice a ton for following me, but then he says this, but don't be afraid. Cool, go. Good luck. But before he sends them out, he gives them this specific teaching. In verse 28, he says this. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid, and this is important that we notice. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then he probably started grinning a little bit. He's going to give them an illustration. If you were here a couple weeks ago, Jesus is going back to this bird thing again that he seems really infatuated with. He says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside the Father's care? And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And I listened to that, and they listened to that, and they were probably like, we're a little bit confused, right? 
Because on the one hand, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, but also be afraid. Don't be afraid of this, but be afraid. And then he uses sparrows, but, it, but you listen to him. He says, yeah, the sparrows fall to the ground. That's a bad thing. That's not a, that's not a good thing, but don't be afraid. So what is it? What are we supposed to do with these red letter words of Jesus? Well, the disciples had an experience just prior to this moment that probably helped them understand what he was saying, probably helped them connect the dots and may help, up, help us as well. So spin back in Matthew chapter 8. So we go all the way back there, and Jesus was in one of those moments where he was surrounded by a crowd. It happened a lot. He'd get surrounded by the crowd, and he'd begin to teach the crowd. And the only way that he could get away from the crowd was to get in a boat. He didn't have any SUVs. He didn't have like a posse or like any, any way that he could escape the paparazzi. So he had to get in a boat. And when he was done teaching in this moment, he was probably pretty tired. He'd been interacting with people all day. And so he decided to escape the crowd. And a famous story ensues in verse 23. Keeping in mind what we just read about sparrows, what we just read about being afraid, what we just read him teaching about fear, he says this. Then he got into the boat. And his disciples followed him. So first in the boats, Jesus, they get in the boat, they head out into the Sea of Galilee. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, and this was pretty common. The lake is located in this valley, and so we understand that here living in Las Vegas. When the wind starts to blow, it blows, and you put a storm on top of that, and you're out on the water, and you're in a boat. The word furious is probably an understatement, and there they were, and Matthew says in verse 24, it was so furious that the waves swept up over the boat. Now, some of you can't relate to this at all. You haven't spent any time in a boat, but many of you have had frightening experiences sort of like this. Maybe you were in a plane, you don't like to fly, and you hit some turbulence, and that was not fun. Maybe you've been up in a tall building, and the wind starts to blow, and how, and you feel like the building's moving. Maybe you've been in a tornado, or a hurricane, or an earthquake, where it's just a moment, it doesn't last very long, but you have that experience where you are scared to death. You are scared of death. You are losing your mind because it looks like the end may be coming. But verse 24 says, they're all afraid and they're freaking out and they're losing their mind. And it says this, but Jesus, what is he doing? Was sleeping. Now, Matthew wrote that Jesus was sleeping because he looked like he was sleeping. And maybe Jesus was sleeping, but just humor me for a moment. Maybe he was doing that parental thing. You know what you do on Sunday afternoon, especially dads? You know, you lay on the couch and you're not really sleeping, but you're kind of pretending you're sleeping. And your kids are like, hey, I think dad's asleep. Let's do this. Let's change the channel. He's watching the game, you know. They change the channel. And immediately you're awake, right? Because you weren't sleeping at all. So, Matt, I mean, he was probably sleeping. But maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just listening. But in any case, they thought he was asleep. And they're thinking, we're going to drown. Now, before we move on from this, this is an important moment for some of you. Just to linger on. Because some of you today have struggled with faith, or maybe you're here today and you've even left the faith because there was a tragedy or there was an event or there was a circumstance in your life where you prayed and it, you felt like God was asleep. God was asleep. He didn't respond the way you thought he should respond. You figured God just doesn't care or maybe he doesn't exist. I want you to consider I want you to just consider today coming back and at least approaching faith 
again. Why? Because as we just read, you are not the first person to have experienced this. The people who were closest to Jesus, the people who brought us this gospel that we get to read and absorb and live by, the people who knew Jesus best, the people that he loved the most, they experienced what you have experienced They thought their lives were completely falling apart in that moment. And they didn't even imagine or feel like Jesus was asleep. They looked over and guess what? He's sleeping. They experienced that. So the disciples went, verse 25, and they woke him up. And they said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And what track was playing in their mind? What if? What if he doesn't wake up? Maybe some of them were thinking, what if he wakes up and he can't even fix this? He can't even help us. What if we die out here? In the midst of their what-ifs, Jesus wakes up and simply says, you of little faith, why? Why, 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 why? Why are you so afraid? And at least one of them had to say, "Uh, Jesus, verse 24, just read it. Okay, you notice the storm is furious, and when a storm is furious and you might drown, you are afraid, right? There is a fear that comes over you. Look around. But then Jesus got up, and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm just in a moment. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. He rebuked them, and it was calm. And the men were amazed, and they said, probably what you and I would say, what kind of man is this? Their what ifs were replaced with this question. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, this is fascinating because if we go to Mark's account of this same story, and Mark wrote, we believe he was a follower of, he wasn't there, but he was a follower of Peter. And so early on, Peter was sharing all this with Mark, and Mark was kind of writing it down and, and putting it together. So Mark's account of what Peter experienced there, he does something very interesting. If you read it in his gospel, he takes the noun form of the Greek word fear, and the verb form of the Greek word fear. And he writes this after the storm was calm. He says that all the disciples, he said, they feared, verb, a great fear. Now, they had this incredible fear of what they were now experiencing and fearing. In other words, they were afraid of drowning, and then they realized they weren't going to drown, and then the reason they weren't going to drown made them very afraid. Because who is this man? They thought maybe there's something to be afraid of, but perhaps we've been afraid of the wrong things all along. And so, in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, don't be afraid of the one that can kill the body but can't touch the soul, I bet, I hope, I believe that they recall that moment just a short time earlier where they are out on the water. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, and they began to connect the dots. Don't fear disease. Don't fear that thing. Don't fear the storm. Don't fear the person. All they can do is destroy your body. Instead, fear or reverence the one who controls our ultimate destiny, the one who controls your soul. Because in that moment, their fear was eclipsed by a greater fear of the one who was in the boat, and their perspective was changed completely. It's like they picked up the needle And the track, what if, which is like stage one, panic, right? It shifted to perspective. Their perspective began to change. 
So they moved to the next track. And I believe this is what they began to play and what began to play in their hearts and heads. He is. He's powerful. He is the ultimate authority. The winds and the waves obey him. He is the man. He is a super man. He is fearless. And their perspective was beginning to shift from what, a, what if to he is. But it was only the beginning because getting a hold of our fear and making that track what if stop just takes time. It takes a long time. It wants to just play on repeat. We read in Matthew 14, skipping forward, that the disciples had one more experience like this. They had just fed 5,000 people, so they were probably thinking we're pretty cool right now. Right? And when they were done feeding 5,000 people, Jesus was tired. And so again, he said to them, same boat, same lake. He said, hey, let's, let's go to the other side. But this time, Jesus kind of, you can just picture him holding on to the boat like, okay, John, get in. All right. Matthew, get in. All right. Judas, you get in. He gets in. Right? Get in. And they're waiting. Finally, Peter, you get in. Right? And they're like, okay. And Jesus shoves them out and says, bye-bye. Right? He's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to be by myself. I'm tired of you guys. Go to the other side and I'll meet you on the other side. So he goes off to pray and they begin to row. And as they begin to row, the wind begins to blow. It's not a storm like before. It's just the middle of the night and the wind's blowing. And it so happens that the wind is blowing right into their faces. And so they're rowing. And they're rowing harder and harder and harder. Row, row, row your boat. And they're not getting anywhere. They're not moving at all. And the Bible says in Matthew 14 that they rowed for most of the night. They were just trying to make it to the other side. They were trying to be obedient. But the wind was just blowing too hard. So finally they're just stuck out in the middle. And it says, it was almost morning. And Jesus comes out to them, and you may have heard this story before, and he's walking on the water. And again, Matthew tells us they were afraid. Actually, he says they were terrified. They were filled with fear. And so Jesus sees them, and he immediately says, fail. Fail, 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 fail. You failed again. They're like, whoa, Jesus. Easy. He says, listen, remember how you feared a great fear? And here we are again, and you're crying out in fear. And they're saying, for good reason. Because when you see something like that, you should be afraid. You should be afraid. But he says, in verse 27, he says, take courage. It is I. Remember me? Spoke to the storm. Calm down. Miracles. Fed 5,000. Remember? Remember who I am? It is I. Don't be afraid. And they suddenly realized, Jesus, you weren't with us in the boat this time, but you were watching us. You knew where we were. And he says, yes, because listen, one day, and this he says to you and I, I'm not going to be with you, but I will still be watching you. So you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid when I was with you and I was sleeping in the boat. You don't have to be afraid when I wasn't with you, but you were in the boat. You don't need to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. That's what I want you to take with today. Take with you as you wrestle with fear and all this chaos and all of this um, just it's coming around us and you just don't know what to do with it. Here's what I want you to take. This is what Jesus says. You don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Listen. 
You don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. And you might go, oh, i got to think about that. But this is a powerful perspective when it comes to fear, and it's what Jesus taught his early followers. So I want to take a shot at getting this in our minds. Play along. Participate. I want you to experience how powerful. Now, some of you are in the middle of this right now. You're sitting on the boat in your life. The storm is blowing. You've been rowing for a long time. And you're going through stuff. You're feeling this. Others of you, you're not sure. You know, you were with me and I may have lost you when I started talking about Jesus walking on the water. You're like, I just came to see my niece get dedicated. I'm not really sure about this water walking thing. <laughs> but I want you to experience the power of this statement because if you begin to get this track playing in your heart, if you're to make this track one of those songs that you can't get out of your head, like Adele's at low, stop playing it, please, already, right? If you, this needs to be the track that plays. I don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Faith, put that up one more time. I want us to get, take the word you out of there, and I want us to put the word I in there, all right? I want you to say it with me. Faith, put it up one more time for me, will you? I want you to say this. I, say it, I don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Some of you aren't believing it. we got to say it again. Ready? I don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Okay. Here's something that's encouraging. These guys, they didn't get it for a long time. Right up to the end, they didn't get it. I mean, miracles, walking on water, all that. Right up to the end, Jesus is arrested, and what do they do? They're terrified, and they all run away. They all run away. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they lie, they deny, they hide. They don't show up for his funeral. They don't acknowledge him. They don't want to be associated with him. They fear is overcoming them. And after Jesus was crucified, they waded out into the dark waters, and that track, what if, what if, what if, what if, started playing over and over again. They forgot what Jesus had said about only fearing the one who can harm your soul, not fearing the one who can only harm the body. Here's what's amazing, though. They emerge after the Gospels in the book of Acts, fearless. They emerge bold. It's like somehow they finally got it. And here's what they got. The one thing that makes, made all the difference for them is not another teaching, not another boat ride, not another campfire lecture. But they saw Jesus when he had rose from the dead. They saw him raised from the dead. And once he rose from the dead, they became fearless. Why? Because the ultimate enemy, death, had been defeated. And when they lost their fear of death, they feared not. Seeing a resurrected Savior changes everything. So when Jesus says, when he rises from the dead and then he says, I am with you always, and then he leaves, they believed him. And they began to live a fearless existence. Because God had conquered death. And so the last track says this, been there, done that. Boom. Boom. The earlier followers got it, right? When we get stuck in what ifs, it just plays in our head. We understand who he is and that he has been there and done that. It changes completely the song that plays in our head when we're tempted to give in to fear. 
They got it, and we can get it too. I'm living. We're able to live fearlessly as a way of life. I don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Back in my student ministry days, I had the awesome privilege to take about 30 students to the island of Jamaica. And we did some great, like some construction projects, and we did some ministry there. We ate some great jerk chicken and just had some red beans and rice. It was awesome. On the last day of this trip, our host decided it would be really cool if they would take us out to this little island. It's about a half mile across. I mean, it's a small island. Take us out, and we could like snorkel, and they would bring food, and we could just hang out there and relax before we headed home. It sounded great until they took us down to the docks where our transportation was, and they started having a conversation with these four fishermen and these fishing boats. And the use of the word boat is really generous. They were really like glorified canoes with motors attached to the back of them. And so as the leader, I was sort of standing back thinking, should I intervene? Is this okay? But they were like, oh, it's great. These guys are on these waters all the time. And so the kids are pumped, and we load into these boats. Well, I'm not pumped at all, all right? I'm not a fan because I'm not actually a great swimmer, right? Like, I can come to your backyard pool party and, like, do some cannonballs and play a mad game of Marco Polo and all of that, all right? I can do that. But you put me out in the open water, I'm dead in, like, 30 seconds. I can't tread water. I can't float. It's over, right? So we're in these boats and life jackets, never heard of them. And we've loaded these kids into the boats and we start cruising across the water. And it's not really stormy, but it's just rocky water. And I mean, literally, my mind is going, what if, what if, what if I don't bring these kids home? Then selfishly, I'm like, what if I die, right? That's bad. And the kids are laughing and they're screaming. In the front half of the boats, these fishermen are literally out of the water. And so we're literally riding on the back of the boat. And water's flying everywhere. And they're laughing and screaming. And I'm screaming silently, of course, in my mind. And that's when, in the middle of this ride, I looked for Jamie. Because Jamie was an 18-year-old high school student who had just graduated from high school. And she was a state champion swimmer. And I had talked to Jamie a lot, and Jamie had spent a lot of time on the lake and the ocean with her family. She was a lifeguard. She was all those things. And so I saw Jamie in the boat, and I took that little kid scrawny that was sitting next to her, and I shoved him off. (laughs) And I sat down next to Jamie. She was probably wondering why I was having a conversation with her. We sped across that water, and as I sat there, my heart rate gradually stopped beating so fast, and my breathing slowed down. Why? Because I had her. And because not only could Jamie, not only did she know how to swim, but she knew how to save me. She'd been on the open water before. She'd been there. She'd done that. And I knew that if it came down to it, she would save me. She gave me confidence. I didn't have to be afraid in that moment because she was sitting there, even though there was something definitely to be afraid of. And do you know why Jesus could say to his followers 2,000 years ago and why he can whisper to this room today that in spite of what you're facing, in spite of what you're dealing with, in spite of what the what-ifs that exist in your life, do you know how you can say fear not? Because he knows how to swim. He's been there before. He's been on the water a lot. He's been in the very boat that your life is now riding in. He's experienced that the very circumstances. He can say to you, you don't have to be afraid even though there's something to be afraid of because I'm with you and I'm watching you. So now, I want you to think about what's your biggest fear in this moment. Some of you, it's the circumstances that we all are facing. What is it? Some of you, it's financial, it's health, it's marriage. 
You're afraid you might lose something or someone. Guess what? That's your boat. That's your storm. That's the waves coming. You're wondering if God is asleep. He's not. He's watching. He's with you. He's been there. He's done that. And God wants you to hear today in this room, fear not. Fear not. I am with you. Even when there's something to be afraid of, fear not. I'm with you. Let's pray together. Father, in this room today, there are fears that run rampant. God, we just ask that you would be with us in this moment. We love you. We trust you, God. Some of us, God, it's hard. We're leaning into that trust, even though right now it feels like you're sleeping on our problems. You're sleeping on the winds and the waves that are battering our lives. You're sleeping on the frustration that we have or the anxiety we're living with. God, we're going we're gonna to lean into who you are and that you've been there and you've done that, that ultimately you conquered death and our souls are in your care. God, I pray throughout this room, wherever we are on this journey today, that you would bring us to that perspective. God, we ask this in your name. Amen.